हेलो वेलकम टू द सेल्फ लर्निंग पॉडकास्ट बाय डॉक्टर सुषमा सिंह लेट अस स्टार्ट डिस्कशन ऑन यूनिट एट एंशियंट मेडिवियल एंड कॉलोनियल सिटीज केस स्टडीज एंड आर सिटीज कोलकाता आर कॉलोनियल सिटी इन दिस सेक्शन वी विश टू डिस्क्राइब द स्ट्रक्चर ऑफ द कॉलोनियल सिटी एंड इंटरेस्टिंग फैक्ट दैट कोलकाता is that it was founded in the same century as shahjanabad however its ambience and image are radically different from the shahjanabad this difference is related to the structures of power that created these cities kolkata is the capital of west bengal it is located on the bank of the river hugli the city's history begins with the arrival of the british east india company in this area in 1699 the british completed the construction of the fort william which was used to station its troops it was named the capital of british india in 1772 it functioned as the capital of the british india for about 140 years until the shift of capital to new delhi in 1911 kolkata's long history as the hub of the british do- domination and as the focus of the resistance to it have created a rich web of images about it while one set of scholars talk about the architectural grandeur of kolkata other describe the filth and squalor of its slums one set would conjure images of leaders trying to ban sati introduce women's education and forge an indian identity others would talk about them as upper caste analophies least concerned with the fate of the poor most of these images were a product of the happenings in the 19th century kolkata we wish to focus on the 19th century kolkata as classic colonial city a colony is a territory under the immediate political control of the geographically distant state the top level administration of the colony is under the direct control of that distant state it is from this point that we begin our description of kolkata it was a city which showcased the strength of the state that controlled it according to one estimate for 1914 of the british capital invested in india was based in kolkata apparently 81% of the investment in kolkata were of european origin while indian investments amounted to only 
Now let us move to the next point plan of the city, the white town. Kolkata was founded by the British. The British had come here to promote their business interests and acquired an empire in the bargain. Kolkata was a typically colonial city. It could be seen in the landscape of this city. It was divided into three sectors. The dominant sector was the British part of the city called White Town. Planned, spacious and grand. It would be the heavy of the rich and powerful anywhere in the world. Here were located the buildings that would decide the fate of the empire in the Indian subcontinent. In the white town, the headquarters of the imperial government were located on Dalhousie Square. Impressive government buildings were complemented by the markets and bungalows spread along Apostlenade, Chowringi and Park Streets. This was also the area where one could find the offices of the corporations having global reach. One could find offices of organizations dealing in tea plantation, railways, coal mines, jute mills, finance and commerce. So business and politics mingled in these parts of Kolkata. This area had a population of about 10,000. For a city that had a population of about half a million, this was a mini clue number. But this was the sector of Kolkata that ruled not only the city but the entire subcontinent. Books written on Kolkata in this period would talk endlessly about this Kolkata. For example, a book written by one Mr. Cotton says, There is everything to remind her citizens that she is the capital of British Raj, Valjali's stately government house, the status of past governor general, the massive blocks of government houses, the long area of palaces upon Chongli, the rows of warehouses and jetties and docks, the large European colony, the signs upon every hand of affluence and prosperity. In a 90-page section of this book devoted to historic houses and famous localities of Kolkata, there are just 15 pages devoted to the Indian part. Now let us move to the next point, the intermediate zone. Around the margins of the White House has emerged an intermediate zone. It was inhabited by poor whites, erosions and large number of Muslims service groups, mainly cooks and servants, and small groups of Jews, Armenians and Chinese. 
there were more prosperous Muslim groups too. They had migrated from outside Bengal. Many of them were parts of entourage of defeated kings like Tipu Sultan and Wajid Ali Shah. A large number of migrant workers from Bihar, United Provinces and Orissa also stayed in this area. They did not speak Bangla. Most of them spoke different varieties of Hindustani. At the northwest borders of the intermediate zone was located the Bada Bazaar, the great market. It was a traditional market with rows of shops along narrow lanes. While the sophisticated Dalhousie Square would be completely deserted at night, Parabazar would be bustling with people in daytime as well as nighttime. This was the hub of Kolkata's commerce, which spread out to be subcontinent and beyond. Here could be found Persian, Arabs, Jews, Marwaris, Armenians, Madarsis, Sikhs, Turks, Pars Parsis, Chinese, Burmese and Bengalis. Although some Bengali merchants had done well as British agents earlier, it was the Marwaris who were emerging as the key figures of this market complex. Now let us move to the next point, the Bengali zone. Beyond this circle was the area predominantly peopled by Bengalis. They formed about 55% of the population. These upper caste dominated group lived to the north and northeast of the intermediate zone. This zone lacked planning and its filth and squalor beggared descriptions. Here lived the Bengali, Bandralok and a large unskilled and semi-skilled labor population who earned their living as hawkers and house cleaners. There were a few areas like Bhavanipur on the fringe of the white town where Bengali lawyers, doctors and other professionals lived. The Bengali society was dominated by the families of merchant princes. They had made their fortune by acting as business agents of the European traders. Their palaces seemed more in the tradition of Shahajanabad masons, where such buildings were surrounded by the mud houses of servants. The Bengali Bandralok group who had dominated the images of Kolkata came into its own towards the second half of the 19th century. They defined themselves as the middle class situated below the aristocracy of merchant princes and above the menial workers. They went for Western education in a big way because of this 
were the key to getting professional jobs of lawyers, doctors, teachers or clerks. It was this group that provided leadership to Bengali society, beginning their career as assistants of the British. They gradually emerged as a coherent group. Many of the members of the Bhadralok group provided leadership to movements against colonial rules. Now let us conclude the unit. We presented case studies of urban centers from medieval and colonial India. The presentation is sketchy when we deal with an ancient city. The information available to us is limited. Nevertheless, the power and domination of the political elite is visible in the surviving fortification. The medieval Shah Janabad was willed into existence by a king. That does not mean that the ancient or medieval cities did not have powerful merchant groups or religious elite. In fact, the political elite was heavily dependent on funds provided by the merchant groups. Similarly, complex rituals were built into the form of political domination. This is usually called legitimation. However, the examples of Shah Jahanabad showed that the class of merchants and bankers were completely dependent on political authority. Its fortunes fluctuated with those of its political masters. The colonial city of Calcutta was a marginally different case. This was because it had some elements of modernity in it. Calcutta was created by political force. Fort William with its military architecture is testimony of the political might of those who created this city. This political power brought in its wake modern forms of control. This was a form of control exercised by a country tens of thousands of kilometers away. The earlier forms of controlled centered on episodic use of violence. The new forms meant creation of a network through which the ruled were made aware of the continuous vigil by the state. That is why a very small number of Englishmen could control the entire subcontinent. Because of the distance from the Britain very few British were available for administration. They needed subordinate classes of Indians to run their administration and business. These subordinate groups spoiled the class of the Bhadra Lok. 
this class itself was a very small section of the Bengali population. The Bengali population in turn was also only about 55 percent of the population of Kolkata. But the dominant image of Kolkata is not that of the British architecture, neither is it that of successful Marwadi business class. It is the image of the Bhadralok class, which was economically and politically marginal to the life of the city. This was possible only in the context of a colonial city, where forms of control were radically different from those of the earlier times. Now let us wind up the session and we have come to the end of the unit. Thank you very much for engaging yourself with the self-learning podcasts.